Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club 2024 edition. Welcome to the new year. Hey, girls, how you dern? Hey. Dern Dern good. How are you dern? I'm darn good. I'm excited to do the first Redheads of the year. Always exciting. We always kick off the year with a snitch's choice. We start mm-hmm. strong. And I do feel like this year we're starting strong. So I need to catch yeah. up with all of my girlies. Before we get into the book, we read Strange Sally Diamond this month. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. There is a lot. Totally. But first I need to know how my girls are doing. Let's start with snitch because it is the month of the snitch. Oh, I'm good. We had a lovely vacation in the mountains for like two and a half weeks, which was lovely. Um, happy to be back. You know, nothing's changed at work and everything's just the same as it was a month ago. So, well, the whole time we were on vacation, you were reading. So do you have oh, a lot to shoot. contribute yeah. to the end I, of the episode? Yeah, that's true. I'm in my Akatar phase. I would have been done with it by now, but I had to read this book. Um, so now I'm picking it back up. So by the next episode I'll be fully done um but yeah I did it I went I done did it how many books are she in read series? a court of thorns and roses it's I'm on the fifth one but like each of them are like 700 pages it's like it's like fourth wing wow I didn't know that they were that yeah. long yeah also what's funny is snitch borrowed one of my old kindles for our trip because she uh, forgot hers and so on my goodreads it looks like i'm reading akatar i saw someone posted like a screenshot of my goodreads and the redhead's like oh my god jackie just finished i did not i have not this is snitch on my goodreads i know and i'm actually really pissed about that so you know what i did even though it's like so so stupid is i bought all five books on my kindle and you like, know you so can add I- them to your goodreads without I know, but it didn't like feel real. So I bought all five because they sold them in a bundle. So it was like $35, which like I didn't think was so bad for these lengthy books. And just because I wanted them in my Kindle, like I just like wanted proof that it would happen because it was like so much work. I know that that's insane, but I did that last night. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. But I'm really excited to hear your recap and your ratings. And I'm glad that. You had a big month for reading. Bex, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, The new year was like super relaxing and chill and I'm excited about 2024. I'm glad to hear everyone's doing well. Everyone's excited for the Redheads. This was a belated Redheads episode because kind of the first Thursday of the year snuck up on us and we were not ready and that was just not happening. Like, so here we are ready to enter 2024, a great year of books, hopefully for the Redheads. If I had to describe 2023's year of books for the Redheads, I would say it was strong. Yeah. By the way, I would yeah. say it like was low-key maybe one of our strongest. Oh, for sure. I agree. We didn't have that many flops. No, I would say 2022 was the worst. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> what was so I bad actually about think 2022? 20, that was uh, like Gotham, Country Friends. Gotham, Run, Rose, Juan Run. Velez. What was Juan? No, no, no. That was the year before. Oh. Luis Velez. Juan Velez. That's the... Juan Velez is the coffee shop. Juan Velez. Luis Velez. Luis Velez yeah. did not get a fair shot. I stand by that. No, you don't. Luis no, Velez don't. got more credit than he deserved. We were like, yeah. when we read that book, we were like, it's so sweet. I liked it. it- I liked it too. 
Let's get into this month's episode because we've got a lot to discuss. We read Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. It was a snitch's choice. And so she will give us the synopsis of the book. And I'm going to let her do that before we start sharing opinions. So Snitch, what was this book about for anyone who maybe didn't read it, but just loves us so much and is listening to the episode? So I learned my lesson the last time. This book is about a girl. Her name is Sally Diamond. And it starts out by her father dying and she puts him in the incinerator because he had said at one point that when he dies, take him out of the trash. And she, so we thought in the beginning of the book, was like on the spectrum. So she took things very literally. She did that. The town found out. It turned into this whole thing that then turned out they did some like just like digging into this girl that she really is the daughter of a like kidnapper and abductee and her name was Mary Norton and then it started this whole saga of the kidnapping the person who kidnapped her the kidnapper's son how he also is a kidnapper and it kind of turned into like a thriller ish but then also adjacent to it was like this girl Sally Diamond trying to live her life and get acclimated into society as like a, a what was the word social like I don't know socially, what, how to, uh, deficient socially deficient human she's like 40 years old in the book um and that I would say that was the plot how was that yeah Better? so there was kind of like two yep perfect two things happening one were the you know evolution of Sally Diamond as her father dies and she starts to learn more about herself because she didn't know that this was her past and then we also get a storyline in between from 30 40 years before of her brother, who she didn't even know she had, who was also a product of the relationship between the kidnapper and the abductee. But the father chose to keep him as opposed to Sally, who stayed with her mother until they were liberated. So it was a thriller at times, but also kind of a coming-of-age story, if you think yeah, about like- it. <laughs> Let's talk about the book and whether or not we liked it from a bird's-eye view. Snitch, you first. I really liked it, like more than I thought that I would. I'm very mad about the ending, which we can get into, but I thought that it was like, it was such a great plot, and I thought it was so interesting, like her thoughts I thought were like hilarious, because she took everything like so literally. Um, So I thought it was like a really entertaining book, but also like a really great plot line that it just like kind of kept you hooked. It's definitely not like a book I I normally would have chosen, but I don't know. I thought it was really good and like interesting. Yeah, Dana? Snitch, I loved this book. This might be like top three redheads books for me. It was so up my alley. Just the psychology, the darkness. There were echoes of Room, which was like my favorite Dana loves movie Room. Ever. You hit the nail on my head with this, Snitch. <laughs> loved. Thought the writing was great. I got through it so quickly. I had to stop myself from reading it too fast because mm-hmm. I was enjoying it so much. My only issue is that some of the things I found just to be a little too unrealistic. Like this chick was kind of kept isolated her whole life. Her dad chose not to socialize her. She was weird Sally Diamond, strange Sally Diamond. And then he died and like immediately she socialized so quickly, like made strides in therapy, made all these friends, kind of turned out normal, was not socially deficient or autistic as she was originally diagnosed. And it just frustrated me. Like why couldn't they have tried a little bit harder while the dad was alive to do this? It seemed like she took to it immediately. And the other issue I had was when Peter found himself and we'll get into it with the hostage after his own dad died, there seemed to be such easy ways for her to escape. And I know it's Stockholm syndrome and I know there's a bunch of other psychological factors at play, but that made me want to scream like 
manipulate him better, run, figure it out <laughs> at, at the time in her life where she was still desperate to get away. Manipulate him better. That I kind of can see, but she was also like mentally 14. Right. And who knows? There are a lot of psychological factors at play, which we will get into. Rebecca, what did you think? I absolutely loved this book. I thought it was incredible. So good. Um, I was totally entertained the entire time. I, similar to Dana, could not put it down to the point that I couldn't read it before bed because I found myself staying up until like three in the morning reading it. And I was like, lady, you got to go to sleep. So (laughs) I really loved it. My only feedback was about the ending. Yeah. It was shocking. And perhaps just like the only time I was like, not vibing with the story I think because I'm an idealist and I was sad that everything fell apart and I was just upset that despite Sally's like immense progress she reverted to her isolated angry self and her friendships dissolved and her relationship with her aunt dissolved and I was just so sad to see that happen and but I I don't know I just like I can't decide how I really feel about it but it was the only time during the book that I wasn't like all in um no, yeah, I was definitely disappointed by the ending. A, like, didn't see, like, also, this is going to sound insane, but, like, when Peter, like, became the main kidnapper, like, I didn't understand it, but, like, I got it a little bit more because she was already there, you know? Like, he was like, it's either let her go, go to jail, like, I don't know. I did not expect him to become a true kidnapper and decide to do it again. Totally. Yeah. After, you know, being accepted and embraced by Sally and like in kind of polite society and he could have gotten away with everything he got away with. Actually, no walls were closing in on him. Yeah. 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 He was about to unravel. But like, okay, if they're about to unravel, like, yes, go to somewhere and get a house a million miles away. Just don't kidnap somebody else. You know, like that just caught me off guard. And then also it ending with Amanda just like didn't really jive for me Yeah, but you could see that she was a pianist and it's like did that run in her family yeah yeah I wanted more she was a pianist i thought she was like a conductor no she was playing the piano oh 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 i missed that yeah really I like that it ended with Amanda. I loved the book. I thought it was really gripping like when i was reading it i was totally into it and immersed in it and I liked the storyline because it's a kind of like a creepy room vibe storyline but the way that it was told it wasn't like spooky scary because it was told very matter of factly not like and here's what's going to happen next and leaving you on a cliffhanger like what's behind that door because we kind of know what already happens because Sally is liberated in the future except for the stuff with like New Zealand and the kidnapping there and the death of Stephen's next door neighbor So I really loved it. I would say it is a thriller, but the way it was told was kind of a departure from the typical thriller stereotype. So it felt like something new and different, and I really enjoyed it. I did like the storyline better that was set in the past because, you know, a lot of the story about being like Sally's therapy and her friends and the factory they work at, like, I just, okay, thanks. Um, And it was kind of annoying to have to, like, keep going back there when so much was happening in the other storyline. But overall, I I loved it, and I do have issues with the ending, though I didn't mind that it ended with Amanda, who was just like, I don't care about my past. I want to focus on the future. But I did mind that, like, it ended with a potential next kidnapping. 
Right. Like the cycle continues. So that was frustrating. Yes. But we will get into all of it and what it means in the DBQs. I'm so glad that there's such a great consensus for this book because that's what I've also seen from the audience. I think everyone really yeah. loved the book and was surprised by it. So I'm excited to jump into everything, but I must let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Caraway. Now, you know I love Caraway. I'm always cooking a stew, cooking a chili, but I was so excited because Caraway wanted to sponsor the Redheads and they sent all of us their non-toxic cookware. And we were talking right before we started recording about how much we are loving it. Can everyone just give me like a little testimonial on your thoughts on the frying pan you received? Absolutely love. First of all, the color is so cute and I have not stopped using it because nothing sticks to it. It's amazing. Like my eggs, (laughs) flawless. And like if I just want to saute a little something here or there, it always ends up tasting so good and I the cleanup is so easy. I just am obsessed. What color did you get? I went with a coral color because my kitchen oh, is becoming so, white. so me and my kitchen is becoming quite like a, a fixture of pink of all shades. Cute. Mm, really cute. Snitch, what do you think? I love it. It's I've it's so easy to clean. Like it makes it it makes cooking not hard because it's just like uh it just slides right off and then you just put it in the dishwasher. I got like the gray silver. Oh pretty. Did you cook your steak in there the other night? I cooked my steak in there and my salmon. Oh, your salmon looks good. Wow. My salmon was fire. I'll give you You have been cooking more and you just got a caraway and that's the perfect time for the new year to get a caraway. And Dana, you were saying that Josh cooks all your meals in it and he loves (laughs) it. Yes. I do not cook, but as spokesperson for my husband who makes my meals, he went out of his way to rave about the caraway. He was like, wait, this is actually really good. Like, I think I'm going to get rid of some of the other pans we have because this is far superior. And he did make a salmon in it as well, Snitch, and it tasted so much better than the other salmons he made in other pots and pans. (laughs) Wow. And I'm sure cleanup for you was easier. (laughs) Dana does the cleaning. Josh does the cooking. That's nice. Well, that's very uh, fair. Totally. If you want to be blown away by Caraway, visit carawayhome.com slash redheads to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash redheads or use code redheads at checkout. Caraway, it's non-toxic cookware made modern. Yes. So it is non-toxic. It's easy to clean. It's easy to cook and it's totally loved. You guys have to, if you're not cooking with Caraway, like let us change your life, please. Okay, let's get into Strange Sally Diamond. So nature versus nurture is a pivotal theme in this story. What is your perspective on this age-old debate? And what is your perspective on its role in this book and with these characters? I feel like this is one of Dana's favorite topics on Earth. (laughs) It really is. And this book in particular highlights my philosophy of how while nature has a very strong pull and sometimes unavoidable consequences, I think nurture can prevail. Just because your parents were a certain way does not mean you have to be either with a little bit of effort. As exemplified by the two children of the kidnapper, Sally Diamond was not evil. She was not somebody who sought to, you know, harass, kidnap, molest anybody in this world. And that was because she was raised by two wonderful people who taught her right from wrong. Even Peter, who was under the grip of his father his entire life, had a moral compass that had he been nurtured elsewhere by somebody else, I think could have prospered. Like he was just handed a bad nurture and nature. The end of the book, you might have some doubts. He went on to, as we assume, kidnap somebody else. I still don't think that was necessarily nature prevailing. I think that was his circumstances and all the in-between. 
However, the pianist, Anna, you know, that ran in the family. That's something you can't really avoid. Like, sometimes your genes just prevail, and luckily that was a positive outcome. But overall, I'm going to pick nurture over nature. I agree with you, Dina. Thank you. Well said. And I would argue that another check in the nurture category, I feel like, has to do with Peter kidnapping someone at the end of the novel because that is something that he grew up with and something that he learned in his home and it was just like a learned experience not necessarily inherent in his like uh genes but he saw that his father did this he did it himself by raising Lindy and keeping her there and he was just like this is how we do it in my household yeah. 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 I would also say nurture, but from a different perspective, because it's like the way that Sally was raised versus the way that Amanda was raised was like um, Sally's parents, even though her mom didn't want to, like they secluded her. Like she was isolated. She didn't get to socialize. She didn't go to school. She didn't do anything. So she stayed at home, which is where like all these like socially deficient um, issues progressed. Whereas with Amanda, he gave her away as a newborn. She went into like a quote normal family and they raised her as a normal person and she had none of these issues. So I also think it's like obviously in terms of nurture when it comes to Charles, what was his name? (laughs) Peter versus Sally. Peter versus Sally, but like all of that. But then there's also the way that Amanda was raised versus Sally. That's a great point, Snitch. I think Amanda and Sally are very comparable. They were born to mothers in captivity and psychopathic fathers. And even though we look at Sally's adoptive parents as like, okay, this was like her good family, they actually did not raise her, we know now, in making the decisions that they should have made. And the result is seen in her eventual social deficiencies, whereas Amanda, you know, had no idea of her nature and therefore her nurture totally overtook and I think that is a good way to compare the two. I always think it's a combination of nature and nurture, but I do think in a situation like this, like nurture prevails, especially if the nature is is so negative, mm-hmm. it can be nurtured to be better. Agreed. Like nature doesn't doom you for something, but it is sometimes harder to overcome nature without proper nurture. Yeah, agreed. Next, how much do you believe Sally's personality and actions are shaped by her early life experiences? So is she shaped by what she saw in captivity? Is she shaped by the fact that she doesn't have a recollection of those years of her life and she kind of is like a blank slate starting at the age of seven? Or is she shaped by the way that her doctor parents raised her? Obviously, it's a combination of three, but what do you think is really the contributing factor to her being the way that she is? Well, there's the medical, like, chemical component, too, where they drugged her to, like, straight up erase her memories. So that, I think, like, definitely shaped her in the sense that she had no memories, and that was because they intentionally drugged her as such. I actually think her personality and actions were more shaped by her adopted parents' decisions to keep her isolated than her captive mother. I agree. I was going to say the same thing. Um, I, act- I don't know a ton about child development and milestones, but I do know that like social socialization and like school is like so important. And so I feel like that had to have just played a huge role because like while it was the first seven years of her life, she was in isolation from the age of seven to like 45. I actually disagree. I feel like the formative like zero to seven years when she was in captivity and completely isolated and like treated horribly and 
in the most horrific conditions while she might not remember it i feel like it had more of an impact on her than one could ever even begin to calculate and i feel like nothing after age the age of seven really helped her that much being in isolation and kind of being under a microscope of her scientist parents but i feel like though she doesn't remember it it probably had a world of impact on her what took place until the age of seven yeah that's true but then you see how when she does start socializing at the age of 40 like she is able to function so i think a lot of that was sort of induced by her parents even though it will never she would never be a hundred percent without trauma i think what happened in the last two years like where what we read in the book underscored the fact that it was a result of like her upbringing yeah as opposed to those first seven years but yes that will always be like in her dna and like they explained you know some of her unexplained anger when she would lash out and not have control that probably dates back to her time in captivity like there are such repressed emotions there that are unclear whether she'll ever be able to fully work out because of how dire her original circumstances were yeah and that also could be the anger could have been uh trait she inherited from her father yeah but she has a lot to be angry about too 100 percent. the fact that she was like so normal for two years was like a miracle yeah yeah well we'll talk about the two years but as the story progresses we uncover distressing truths about the man who raised sally how would you define his character traits how sympathetic do you find yourself towards him not sympathetic whatsoever oh who raised sally sorry the doctor the doctor so they start to share some I guess what you would call distressing truths about him but it's and it starts to become clear that maybe he didn't make the right decisions in regards to Sally and then in the end they paint a picture that he was a misogynist and maybe potentially abusive to his ex-wife which I just felt was like clarity on yeah it it was unclear and it felt unnecessary like I liked already the ambiguous question of like was he right in his approach to treating Sally? But the fact that they had to go and like overtly maybe make him a villain, we still don't even really know enough. I I, I thought it took away from the story. It would have been so much more impactful to leave some ambiguity to let us decide instead of trying to like really bias our our decisions by having him hit his wife. Yeah, it was a little heavy-handed for us to like really turn against him. And I'm not... I I agree. I don't think it was entirely necessary. I thought it was interesting how in her therapy sessions, she divulged exactly what we knew about her dad and the letters and the feedback she got. And her therapist was kind of of the camp. Let's see it from his perspective. He might have made mistakes, but he had your best interest in heart. There's no rubric for how to treat this kind of mentality. Like, I thought that was interesting because she was the objective perspective and she was kind of defending the dad with the same info we had. Yeah. And I feel like it does lend itself to an interesting question of like, was he right in his approach to how he took care of her? But also it does take a very big magnanimous person to take on a child such as Sally. So it's like, even though he had his own motives too of wanting to study her, he did a good deed in raising her and he raised and he cared so deeply for her, even though, you know, he probably smothered her and should have let her work on independence. Like, he did everything he could so that she would be comfortable. And in his farewell letter, he was very open. Maybe I should have done this differently. Perhaps your mom was right and we should have socialized you. I feel like someone with a 
malicious agenda wouldn't be so forthcoming in his own deficiencies of how he wished he handled things. Yeah. Do you agree with his decision to keep her secluded? Was his love for her genuine or did he perceive her merely as an experimental object? It seemed genuine, like through everything Sally was saying, but then based off of like the things that came out after he died, it seemed like an experiment, but I really would like to choose to believe that there was love there. I know, I agree. I think he loved her and he also saw her as an experimental object. I think they're both true. And there was like one school of thought in the book that he suffered such guilt from mishandling her mom, like he let her die accidentally, that this was kind of his life project to like make it up by taking care of Sally. So I thought that was an interesting perspective. Like this was just all to assuage his guilt to try to like bring this girl to normalcy. Yeah, and maybe from his perspective, it's like he separated Denise from her daughter because he thought that was what was in the best interest of the two of them, even though it was gonna be, that was not what Denise wanted. So yeah. maybe he felt like if he socialized Sally, even though that's not what she wanted in the moment, like made that like forced her to do something difficult, he took the op, you know, he overcorrected on the previous mistake, and therefore he let Sally just yes. be as she was for the rest of her life. Yeah, which to me does not read as like bad intentioned he just was overcorrecting in a protective manner yeah and was not gonna let something bad happen again if you were a neighbor or friend of sally diamond would you be open to integrating sally into your family life do you think she poses any inherent risks i think that i would be suspicious potentially and i think that her outbursts were not favorable for her buying credibility in the neighborhood but she really made so much progress and it felt like she had genuine friendships so I give like her friends and neighbors a lot of credit for being so open to bringing her into the fold but I also understand that they like had to pull back a little when she acted out or like misbehaved for lack of a better word was not an easy situation yeah, I would be open. She seems like a sweet soul. And all of her outbursts could be, could be like, traced. Like, it wasn't for nothing. Totally. Yeah. And, like, I feel like so many of them were, like, warranted in a way. Like, it wasn't like she just, like, randomly acted out and yeah. was, like, violent. Like, there was a trigger, and it was, like, a clear trigger. Um, but I felt like, for the most part, like, she kept it in check. She also did, like, an incredible <laughs> job articulating when she did have an outburst. She'd be, like... Oh, I'm sorry I said that because the reason why I said that is for X, Y, and Z and I'm going to do my best to not do that again. And I was like, damn, I'll accept that. Totally. I thought her neighbors were harsh too. Like she already went so out of her comfort zone at that mall trip to get all these new clothes, et cetera. And then the neighbor was pushing the spa day on her and she very like politely said, this is too much for me. Uh, No, thank you. You had never told me this was part of the plan. Like I don't want to do it. And then I thought the neighbor's reaction was kind of gross. She was like so valid. Yeah, yeah totally. so valid. She's like, I'll go wait in the car. You can go. So I thought the neighbors at certain points were like a little pushy. That one who made her buy the house that she wasn't necessarily interested in because like they wanted a passion project to fix it up. They were not using her, but I think at times fell short of uh, sympathizing appropriately. I agree. But they were also very like more open and let them her into their lives. than at some points, than I think the average person would and like, around their children and everything, but then also were very impatient with her at other times. So it just, yeah, it was a little odd. 
So the narrative of this book is presented from various perspectives. How would you describe the book's structural framework? Did you find this multi-perspective approach effective in conveying the story? Snitch. Okay. Like, (laughs) you know that this is my least favorite thing ever. Here it felt necessary because it was such a time jump and they were telling two completely different stories. Mm Mm-hmm. My issue is when it's like the same story and we're just we're just changing perspectives for for the sake of it. Like yeah. here it was a plot device device that was needed because it's like how else would we truly have gotten the whole kidnapping story and cuz she couldn't remember it. So to, it did not bother me in this book. It didn't yeah. bother me either. And I liked the way it kicked off where it's like, who's Peter? And he's living in the room next door. And they had said Sally was found in the room next door. So I was like, oh, was Sally Peter? And the dad didn't know that she was a girl? Yeah. Like, literally, Wait, that's what I thought. I literally same. was thought I was like, is this a transgender? I know. <laughs> I was like, did they not? Like, I was like, is Sally really a man? Like, maybe. I literally thought the exact Wait, same thing. Wait, that's hilarious. I didn't think that for one yeah. second. Jealous. Yeah, I no. thought at first Peter was Sally. Just for yep. a few chapters, yes, just until it was yes. clear. I mean, the, then the mother's pregnant. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I that, understand. Then it made sense. I love yeah. the approach of Peter versus Sally as perspectives, both in similar situations, but having drastically different life outcomes. Like, I thought it only added to the plot. I agree. Yeah. I liked it so tr- even more when it was more of the past that we were flipping back and forth to. When we were flipping back and forth from present to present, I was a little less invested. After Lindy's death, I was, I felt like the book like went on a little long. It did, but it also like ended too quickly. I remember I was at like 96% and like things weren't coming together yet. And now it makes sense because it was like ended, it did end abruptly and just as she's figuring it out it's like over and it's covid and there's you know the trail runs cold and so that was frustrating it's like it 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 got a little long but then i also needed it to be longer also the toby of it all loved that thread yeah oh yeah uh, you would you would <laughs> i was like it's kind of gross it was disgusting yeah. but her like instant recognition without emory any act, real memory of him but she knew immediately it was toby and then it just like bounced from person to person did you expect that her memories would resurface during the book? Yes, I thought Me that too. was going to happen. I wanted it to happen, mm-hmm. honestly. Especially when the therapy conversation started. I was yeah. like, I figured that was the way that, that they would weave it in. And Toby. Yeah, they rolled it out pretty quickly, though. Yeah, they did. I thought, like, Toby was going to be, like, the, like, straw that broke the camel's back. And it was going to be, like, a deluge of memories. Did, did you guys ever think it was the dad still alive sending her Toby? No. Me neither. He would have been too old. Um, I and did, it, like, like, right away, like, at the second that it happened. But then, like, I think, like, one chapter, two chapters later, I got it. Because someone said they were, like, he would have been 80-something by now. As soon as Peter changed his name to what even was it? Sam? What was his S name? Steven. That's Steven. I immediately, Steven, I immediately put together that that was who it was sending from. Me too. I literally thought the dad was still alive up until the car accident when the dad died. And then I was like, I guess he's not sending the bear. Agreed. I thought he was still alive, too. And also, I love that in the beginning of the book, they were like, the police ruled out a couple suspects of New Zealand. One of them was an, a man dentist, who, but he had a son. And we're not like, that's not him. And But we knew. We knew. That was underlined in my book. It was underlined in my book, too. Like, other people had highlighted it, which was yeah. funny to see. 
But that clue didn't say that the old man was dead. No. Correct. Yeah. So that was, I liked that Easter egg. And it's like, we knew. And, and it didn't, you weren't like guessing correctly if you knew that was them. But we, we knew. Yeah. I was kind of perplexed why the fact that they had, that there was a son was not mentioned. Like, it felt like, I, I guess like, it really benefited Peter slash Steven, but it is kind of crazy that like, like, why do you think um, Sally's mom, Denise, why do you think she was like so dead set on not mentioning that she had a son? That's I think a great she was question. So traumatized, like also because it had been seven years, like, or how five years from when she had Peter that like, I don't know what happens to you when all of that, like when you're abused like that, like part of me could be like, she like might not have even truly remembered like that. But she, she had saw a him the day the burglar came. She didn't see him. Yeah. He walked in and he, he took, oh, yeah, Toby. He took Toby. I don't know. I just feel like, she, like she was so, no, there was a recording where she said they took my boy or something and the dad missed it. And the wife was like, I think this means something. And he was like, you're, you're dumb. No, it doesn't. And then he erased all of his wife's records. But that right. was the indication that like she was hinting at it, but she was in such a horrible state that it was incoherent and she was not being direct, whether that was intentional or not. Yeah. And maybe like, since they didn't know about him, they didn't know what questions to ask. I don't think D- Denise was forthcoming with information, but when asked a question, like she would maybe answer it and since they had no idea they didn't think to ask and I think also Denise was like so betrayed by Toby when he had that weekend in her room and of course it's like she's his mother you know it's unconditional love but she was 12 so they're not so far apart in age and it's like this person who gave everything to like pushed you and and put your your baby's life at risk and, and starved you and like I think maybe she wrote him off after that. It was interesting when the dad was like, in hindsight, we should have had a woman lead this case. Like, the Denise was completely traumatized by men. There should not have been a man in charge of it. So true. Yeah. It's so true, yeah. Next question. Trustworthiness is a significant issue with many characters in the narrative. Are there any characters that you found entirely trustworthy? Discuss their role and significance within the story. Okay, so I just want to use this as a moment to talk about a few characters because they haven't even come up mark that was the first twist in the book that i was like oh my gosh it's steven pretending to be you know yes i thought the same thing i think everybody thought he was steven and then he turned out to be um sally's genetic uncle but Mm -hmm. then characters who were implicitly trustworthy were angela and christine yes and throughout the book i was kind of like waiting for one of them to not be they said they were especially Angela because she was just like always giving Sally pills and being like calm down take the pill and forget (laughs) about it so I thought there was going to be more there but no she was implicitly just like a a force of good I know but I was disappointed at the end when Christine bailed on Sally like they had a hard time like one bad row and then she was like I'm out so I mean she didn't necessarily forfeit Sally's trust but I felt like she bailed on her which was disappointing I thought Sally was the most trustworthy character. I know her memories were messed up, but she was so honest and said exactly as it was. 
Yeah, I agree. I also, maybe I read the end of the book like too quickly and I didn't like sit with the fact that kind of all of the work that Sally did had been upended in terms of friendships and relationships. I just felt like her trust, like she had just decided one day, I'm going to trust everyone. And that did not work out for her. So I felt like there were steps back taken in that sense. But the loss of all of her, not all of them, but you know, the dwindling of her personal relationships was like an unnecessary part of the story because it's like okay so what is she left with I guess a couple million dollars and a nice house with nice bathrooms well it was also such a weak attempt like actually it's COVID we're all gonna stand outside and go for a walk you better be there bitch right, it's like right. it, it felt like a weak like resolution walk. yeah it's like oh that's how like we're gonna end this and the insinuation is all of your friends are good again like it was too weak for me yeah but I think like to my I've earlier point about like me being an idealist and like wanting it to be a happy ending maybe the point of the the author doing this and ending the story the way that they did is because there was no possible happy ending for a scenario like this and like the situation was just so broken and so messed up and like the the fallout from like this abduction and captivity like just meant that like nobody could actually forge ahead with like a functional life so despite like how sad we were that the the interpersonal relationships fell apart and sally like lost all the progress she made maybe it was like another like indication of like yeah like there's no happy ending for this situation yeah well i guess like for amanda there was right but like amanda hardly suffered in the grand scheme of what took place no, but if not for Connor kidnapping Denise and then subsequently Lindy, like Amanda wouldn't exist and it seems that she likes her life and is a happy, adjusted person. Yeah. Okay, next question. What could have been Peter's motivations for leaving the baby at the church steps? Explore how this decision sets the stage for subsequent events in the book. So yes, Lindy has a baby by Peter and the night that she delivers and falls asleep with the baby in her arms, he takes the baby and brings it to the church to give it up for adoption, which was horrible. Oh, you know, I thought it was kind of responsible because they could not raise a baby under those conditions. Lindy at that point wasn't allowed out of the house and it was the best chance at giving the baby a good life. Yeah, I guess when you say it like that, and as we said, like Amanda did live a good life as opposed to if she had like been born in captivity and lived in captivity and she just would have been another Sally at best or Peter, you know, like, and when would she, what, like Peter would have never let them go. But in that moment, my heart just broke for Lindy. 100%. Lindy was like the true victim there. It was the only thing keeping her going. Yeah, but you're right. It, I guess it was responsible. I just thought it was so evil. And, it was, and I just felt like even Connor let Denise have her son for four years and marry for however long she was there. But I don't even know if that was the right decision, you know? like My thought was that Denise was able to raise Mary and Peter in captivity, and he knew that. So I was like, you know that this is possible, and even worse conditions than you've created. So I'm shocked that... Like, this was not a possibility at all whatsoever. Yeah. And I feel like he also did it because of the money. Yes. He was very strapped for cash. That's why I thought he did it. But then I love that she stopped knitting for him. She stopped knitting for him after because she was so, like, upset and mad at him. And, and he wound up falling into further poverty anyway. So they would have had more money if he let her keep the baby. But you're right. It was best for the baby to not 
be in that situation. I don't know. It really was sad. So sad. Our next and last question is, does this narrative remind you of any real life crime incidents? Or I feel like for me, it reminded me of other stories that are similar, like Room. Room was the only thing I could think of. It was so similar to Room. And and you read Room, Dana? No, I only watched the movie, actually. It reminded me of this book that I read a few weeks, months ago, The Quiet Tenant, which was very similar to Room. But in this case, like the woman held captive like was so aware of her captivity and like desperately tried to escape for years and like never acquiesced on that yeah Dana you said earlier that you felt like there were opportunities where Lindy could have escaped what were they because I really didn't see much until like really at the end when he trusted her but by then she was totally brainwashed I thought once the dad died what she could have done is pretended she was madly in love with him. I promise I won't leave. Just let me in the house. Like, I love you. I'll prove it to you. Stay there for a week and be on good behavior. And then the second she has an opening, just flee. That's what right, I would Right, but like, I agree that she could have been like, I love you. Like, let's, you know, I'll we can even move away together. And she could have manipulated him more, even though she was like mentally stunted and she was a child. But... He was waiting for her down the road. He like if she if she had done that, he waited for a week. He pretended to go to work and he was waiting to see like it he, was too he far gone. So, it he was set up so many traps point. for her. I honestly I didn't see like, oh, she could have gotten out of here. But I do think she could have played him a little better because he was so naive and obsessed with her. Also, she didn't even tell him like, bro, you probably don't have this disease. Your mom was probably raped until so long after. Like, had she used that logic on him earlier, the same day he realized that like he didn't have a disease and went to the doctor and like got opinions was the day his dad died. Like, it just felt like there was so much lead up to that moment and so convenient for the book to kill the dad the day that he like realizes he's not, he's free, that she could have shown him the truth earlier. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's get into the redhead questions. We got so many questions about this book because it's just ripe for question asking. So first one, do you feel that in the two years that Sally experienced from the start of this book to the end that she was really better off or not? 1,000% she was better off. I'm going to... Yeah. Yeah, she was definitely better off. She did kind of take a lot of steps forward and then some steps back, but still she was on her own. She was in a house. She was working. She had acquaintances as opposed to just like being a total recluse also like this times that she took steps back like her outbursts her anger I didn't even think they were that bad I feel like everyone overreacted a little like you guys relax for sure held in captivity and was a recluse for 40 fucking years and I'm sorry she gets angry because like you're messing with her yeah let her live her life people get angry all the time who didn't have her circumstances yeah I totally agreed because she got angry, like, I feel like it was, everyone was like, oh, here she goes because she's crazy. Where it's like, if anybody else got angry like that, they'd be like, oh, that's warranted. If a man yeah. did that. <laughs> and also, she never hurt anyone in all of her outbursts. Like, it never actually got violent. Didn't she hit someone? She at one point got physical with Angela. Like Angela but then she went to the house the next day and she's like, oh, there's no bruise. There's nothing. She's fine. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the author's point was in revealing that Connor Geary was skilled at piano and then the daughter Amanda is a professional pianist at the end of the book? Do you think this is supposed to be some sort of silver lining to all of this horrible trauma and abuse? 
I don't know if it's a silver I thought the intention was nature versus nurture. Yeah. that was the point they were trying to drive home. Also because Sally, too, loved the piano. Like, I think it was, like, the one thing that, like, truly connected them. Yeah. And that's a fine enough thing if you're going to get someone's DNA. At least she wasn't also, like, a pedophilic monster. Right. Because that's, That's like, the huge central tension of the book are they like their father or are they not? And like the reason her burning her dad's remains got so much scrutiny is because everyone was associating her with her psychopathic father. Like, look, they're the same. So they couldn't go the whole book without giving us some more patterns of how the two are related. I'll bite. This was not a bad one. Yeah. And then something that we spoke, we touched on, but how did you feel about Connor slash James dying? I felt like with him dying, justice didn't get to be served. I really wanted him to suffer. I agree. The one thing that, bothered me about this book is that justice was not served in any which way for anyone to anyone and like that pissed me off I agree yeah but I was glad that he died because finally his son was free of him and Lindy was free of him so I was like yeah like I'm glad that you're off this earth and I'm glad that you're not haunting Sally Diamond um but I, I guess like I would have preferred justice to be served. But he was such a horrible man. I didn't, I didn't feel relief that he died for Peter because, like, honestly, fuck Peter. Like he just like yeah. could have done things oh, so much I better. I was, I was sympathetic to Peter. I really I wasn't. felt bad for Peter. I was in certain situations and up until a certain point in a certain age. But once he realized his disease was a lie. Once he continued to keep Lindy in captivity, because he could have set her free and been like, and I was born in captivity too, and here's the whole truth. And by then he was really old enough. He should have known more of what's right from what's wrong, considering he did have television and he did have books and he was very smart, not educated, but he had a lot of information. And you can Mm -hmm. glean from those things, like what is good and true and what is false. And and so often when he had the opportunity to do the right thing, he never once did. Right. And oh. what I thought was interesting was like the access to television and books, because like there's so many TV shows or books about kidnapping and raping and all of that. And it's like one plus one equals two. Like, how are you not putting that together? Okay. So one interesting thing was when, um, Peter felt responsible for his friend's death who drowned and Peter couldn't help him because he thought touching another person would kill Peter. I think that drove the majority of his willed ignorance because if he does not have this disease, then he killed his friend. But if he does have this disease, he was justified. And I think that played a huge role in him refusing to see the truth. Yes, but also in that moment, he's so naive and selfish because it's like, yeah, one of you is going to die. Maybe you could, like, be the bigger person. Maybe you could sacrifice. Like, you know what I mean? It, it didn't have to be a fait complete that it was him. Like, you could have helped him and, and you think that you would have died. We know that you wouldn't have. But, like, then he would have lived. And you're the one who made him get into the water. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, that you, pissed me off. That was so upsetting. Like, just touch him. I know, but guys, like, he really thought he had this. You know, for us, it's so easy to say, I know, pick him up I know. We know it's fake, but, like, if you're No, 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 I'm not even saying pick him up because we know it's fake. I'm saying one of you is going to die, and, like, people sacrifice themselves for other people, for good people and people that they love all the time. Yeah. Like, he yeah. was so selfish and worried about himself all the time, and it's like, for what? For your sad life with your nasty dad? <laughs> Literally, he was so Bridge. selfish. 
Like, even with, like... So selfish. Wouldn't let Lindy go because he was like, I don't want to go to jail. But it's like, maybe, like, at some point, it's like, it's not about you. And, like, you could have probably gotten away with it. Realistically... He could have run away... He could have went out of his way to do the right thing. Yeah, maybe he would get caught or go to jail. Or he could have, he had, he hadn't, actually he didn't really have money, but he could have like slipped away. He didn't know that many people and like given it a chance for her to be reunited with his family. But the whole time he's worried about himself and it's like, what life are you protecting? You have no life. Agreed. Also, also because like genuinely, I don't really know the law, but I do feel like after the car crash, when he's in the hospital, he literally could have like been like, get me a police officer. Like, hey, my dad just died. He's keeping a girl kidnapped in our in our barn go get her like you know but no we're underestimating the power of abuse like you can't just flip your mindset like that in a minute i understand why why when he was in the car accident he didn't share he also was just finding out that he could touch people they're all touching him he's like there's a lot going on but there was years of just him and lindy and like and he also saw that lindy wasn't going anywhere and he was so worried about her escaping that he didn't bring her to the doctor when he should have like he did kill her like he was just so selfish and I do feel like for um, you know his adult life he wasn't under the thumb of his dad's abuse and as he stated his dad didn't abuse him in the traditional sense like yes he lied to him and manipulated him and made him think stuff but he was loving towards him and supported him and you know it wasn't convention it was terrible existence still he had such complicated feelings when with sally and mark because they were giving him a really hard time for defending his dad but in pete's defense he had a completely different upbringing and experience with the dad than they did yeah but still it was very i mean he was locked in his room as a child he never saw another person never had a friend so why are you still defending your dad like if you know those things are bad and if you're also using how your dad raised you as a justification for why you are a bad person and why you do yeah. bad things. I just, I just felt like he wanted it every which way. And yeah. I did not have a lot of sympathy for him, especially when he had the choice multiple times and he chose to do evil every time. Even at the end when he had the ultimate choice, like maybe the chickens are coming home to roost for me. Or he could have escaped to America and, tr- and started a new, like a therapist instead of, planning to kidnap someone yeah instead Mm -hmm. he was like woe is me i am going to be perpetually messed up i can't get proper help so i'm just gonna forge forward on my abductee path yeah and he initiated contact with sally diamond and then once it got a little rough and he was asked to be held accountable for some question marks aka you have a daughter he couldn't take the pressure which I understand is a lot, but if you were going to be the one to delve into your backstory, I think you should be prepared to like have the whole truth ready. Well, I have a question. While he was with Sally, in simultaneously was when he was getting outreach from this amateur detective, and so I feel like that derailed him a little bit. Do you think if that outreach wasn't happening in parallel, he would have had a better go at like making contact and like establishing a dynamic or a relationship with her and the people in her town I think Mark actually thwarted that connectivity a lot because he was aggressive he was cross-examining him every time Sally made progress and understood his social awkwardness and 
even defense of the dad a little bit, Mark would come in just hot. So yes, in combination, I think the detective and Mark's presence was an impediment to his progress. Yeah. I really, Mark Mark was right. Yeah. Mark grew on me. Like in the beginning, I was like, you are a freak. And then like, I, once we like found out who he was and he came back, I, um, loved him. Except the only thing that seemed incredibly out of character was when he did like disappear and then he finally called Sally and he was like, I won't come back. Like you're violent. I won't go near you. It just like felt like a, like I know that some people thought that, but it just felt like a crazy, like 180 to make. And then he came back and then they were like buddies. And I was just like, mm. that's weird. Yeah. Mark yeah. Weird. There's a lot of dynamics that we can't, you know, wrap our heads around a lot of, <laughs> you know, like to be the brother of a girl who went missing, right. you know, like it's just how that affects he- you. Might not I would always. not call him like the most stable of people because of that trauma. Yeah, but he. Yeah, I but at least he was protective stable. of Sally and and wary of Peter. Yes, because someone needed to be. So our next question is: Did you agree or disagree with Sally's decision of giving her brother half of the money that she had inherited from Aunt Margaret for the sa- from the sale of the family home? Although I understood where everyone's concern came from, that he was a stranger and not entitled to it, and we learned that Peter ultimately used the money to follow in the footsteps of his father and is working towards his own kidnapping, I agreed with Sally that it was rightfully half his, and I ultimately thought she had done the right thing. Another example of his selfishness, he was, like, pissed that she hadn't told him about the money earlier. It's like, bro, you didn't even exist until yesterday. Yeah, I agree with Sally that the money is half his as Connor Geary's son. But like, if you want Connor Geary's son's perks, like you better register as Connor Geary's son. Like, and we can put the whole thing in order. I think it shouldn't put in order, not be a cryptocurrency so he can go scurry off and be the criminal that he is. And I wanted to just get back to one thing that we were saying about justice. I feel like the only way that justice, the only iteration of justice in this book is that eventually it all came out. And that if Sally does talk to Amanda, Amanda can understand and and um, Amanda brings her uncles into it. Her uncles could understand that Lindy was abducted by Connor Geary and his son and they could put all the pieces together and have like the answers. That was the only shred of justice. It's not like everyone's like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. The detective is bringing that podcast to life. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, but then the podcast was dead in the water. It's always the podcasters it that always save the day. Was. It made me think about like I wonder <laughs> if that kind of happens like in real life, like these true crime enthusiasts who like really dig deep. Whereas like detectives and officers have a million cases. Like if it kind of comes up short, they kind of like don't follow every lead. Whereas like these people are like so invested that they like hunt down every single lead way shape or form like has a crime ever been solved because of like a true crime podcast um have you seen only murders in the building (laughs) okay i have but that's not real (laughs) i'm not actually sure yeah i feel like there's a lot of that now like with the gabby petito stuff and the idaho murders like yeah now as crimes happen like amateur true crime enthusiasts like they all are on the case and I think it's actually really frustrating for law enforcement and for victims families but I do think every once in a while they like figure something out that that helps miss but not in any and not even like a, a really meaningful way that I can remember right yeah it's interesting um next question 
Although they only hinted to Connor's upbringing and we did not get the full story of what his mother had did to him, she said their father died when they were young and that their mother expected Connor to fill his shoes in every way possible. She said it was perverse. So this reader asks, I'm curious to hear what you thought his abuse looked like. I was getting the vibes that his mother had sexually abused him after the father's death and that's where his hatred for women came from. I got the same. Yeah. Also, I think I, that's pretty clear. I know they didn't say it explicitly, but like perverse in every way, like you're saying it without I know. Saying it. When I saw perverse, I like looked it up because I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> like I know what perverse is, but I was like, doesn't it like kind of mean sexually? But it yeah. perverted. Perverted. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I thought the same exact thing. Like in, it's and not in every way. Yeah, it's not like explicitly sexual. It could have been, I, I mean, there could have been instances where it's not sexual, but I think it was meant to be ambiguous and and lead us to believe that and that would be the only thing that kind of explains why he hates women so much and why he's so disturbed but again I don't have sympathy for him like I don't have sympathy for Peter you know repair or repeat and you you could maybe repair yeah and also well this is probably a larger question but if he's a pedophile is that a learned behavior or is that something he was born as well if his mom was a pedophile now he's a pedophile yeah but But is he a pedophile because of his dna or because of his nature because of his nurture yeah like i feel like his his mom raped him i think because i think nurture personally i think the circumstances in which you were raised where your mother is sexually molesting you creates an environment where you think it's okay and it gets normalized but I think it's less like my gene is telling me to do this it's more I was grown up with this and it's all I know yeah yeah I think that's what we see a lot you know in whatever like documentaries and stuff about people who are pedophiles is they're typically have been sexually abused as children yes yeah Okay, well, that is strange. Sally Diamond. Did anyone have any other thoughts that they wanted to share about the book? I think we covered like pretty much every storyline. What's crazy about the book, though, is that it started with her incinerating her dad, which it seemed to be like the way that the book started versus where it went and how it ended was just a total journey and not what I thought it was going to be. I know, but I loved that. Did you guys think when they were hinting that there was a big scandal around her, don't read the letter yet, don't read the news, did you ever think it was what it was? Not even close. No, I thought it was, I, and I thought it was going to be like a, a kind of a vague story. Maybe she was born in the forest to uh, survivalists and they left her on the side of a mountain yeah. and like then, I don't, you know, just something that wasn't like so germane to the, not, not going to be the whole book. Yeah. That's yeah, what I yeah. thought too. But I kind of and liked that I didn't see it coming. Same. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a discovered in the woods type of thing. And like in town, people were calling her Mary. And I was like, is that like a joke? Like Virgin Mary? Like mm. that's like sometimes like a thing that people throw out at you. I was like, I'm not sure what's happening. And then. I will say it's rare for the hype to match the expectations. I was annoyed. I was like, there's no way it's going to be as scandalous and dramatic as they're making it out to be. And it was more so. I was like, damn, they really did it. Like, they caught me off guard. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I also liked the storyline even of how they were discovered, where it was the burglar. Because really, how else would someone have found them? It was a burglar. And then also it made me realize, you know, if the burglar had not come forward, but at any point spoken to the family, he would have said there was a little boy there. Yes. 
But because he never did, they never knew. Infuriating that Peter squealed to his dad about the burglar because then they could have all been saved. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is the moral of the story? The truth may not always set you free. Even though that's dumb because it kind of did for her. But <laughs> Yeah, for I me think- it's like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but like it does too sometimes. Right. Yeah, all the morals I want to make aren't applicable. <laughs> yeah, because it was like Sally versus Peter and, and they are two there's two different conclusions to take from the both of them. Change is possible. Yeah. Justice isn't always served. <laughs> nature versus nurture. I know mine was about to be about nature versus nurture, but I can't decide like how to to phrase it. Right, because there was two different outcomes from the book and they conflict one another yeah intentionally I feel like that was very much the point of two narrators one survived one went with the dad had his nature versus nurture come into play yeah okay next segment Hollywood treatment if this were a movie and based on the book who would you want to play Sally Diamond I had put Sarah Silverman what? <laughs> well, I don't know. I was Whoa. trying to think of like a 45-year-old like brunette person. Irish I... woman? <laughs> Dana, I Irish? love how oh. hard you came at snitch. Like you? So no, true. that's actually one of the craziest things Wait, I've ever heard. why learned. is that crazy? Like, uh, it's just not the vibe. Like... Sarah Silverman's this like confident, hilarious, like... Knows Outspoken. herself. <laughs> but like, I feel like she could That's do a funny. good job in the role. Snitch, I stand no, I, by I, you. I actually don't think so. Thank you. That's Thank funny. You. Rebecca, who do you have? I had Laura Dern. Oh, that's good. Because she's like a tall, like, presence of a woman. But I feel like she could do anything. And I just feel like she's the right age. And honestly, like, her height really captured me. That's good. Dana? I had Kristen Wiig. That's weird, like Sarah Silverman. Yeah, honestly, not so different. I thought, like, she's so awkward. I feel that. I have Emily Blunt. She's, like, too beautiful. Because it's reminding me. She's too gorgeous. But towards the end, Sally Diamond, like, is beautiful, it seems. I didn't get that vibe. The character here reminded me of Emily Blunt's character on Girl on a Train, where it's like mm. she's questioning her own memories and, and everybody like is looking at her like she's crazy, but she's actually like a good person. That's what I was thinking. Okay. I feel you. I think we all kind of missed the mark. Yeah. And also like she's meant to be Irish, so maybe it's supposed to be Schwarze Ronan. Oh, <laughs> but she's too young. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they'll make it in 10 years and she could do it. Yeah. Um... Okay, that's Strange Sally Diamond. Let's rate this book. Snitch, what did you give it? I gave it a 4-3. Great. Rebecca? I also gave it a 4-3. Dana? 4-4. I was going to do 4-4. Whoa. I wasn't sure. And I rate in half or whole numbers, and I'm going 5. Whoa. But, like, I feel like some of you liked it more than I did, but just the way that I rate... Yeah. Like, I, if I loved a book... Wouldn't you have done 4.5? No, I give fives to a book that I liked and I didn't want to put down. Like, it's a five. Yeah, got yeah, it. You like, okay. if you look at my Goodreads, I, 
I've probably rated like 50 books five. Like it's not this elusive thing. It was Dana. Excellent You're not Dana. Five. But I feel like right. with I'm not redheads, Dana. It, you do half slash point numbers. Do you not? I do. I do point five. Yeah. If like if I thought it was really good, but something about it like bothered me. But no, I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was an excellent read, an excellent thriller. And like an excellent thriller for me gets a five. Yeah. So the overall Redheads rating for Strange Sally Diamond is a 4.5. Wow. That feels right. That feels right. And that makes it our number four book of all time. Honestly, like done it again. That makes sense. I'm so down for that. I love this book. Yeah, and so it's right above, and this actually feels right, it's right above A Flicker in the Dark. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree. It's, what's number what's one? it below? Number one is Fourth Wing, two Before We Were Strangers, three I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, and now four Strange Sally Diamond. Wow. Five. I'm three out of five. I'm three out of five. Nice, Snitch. Our country. Five, A Flicker in the Dark. Quality over quantity, Snitch. Yes, and it's you're you're doing strongly. The thing about I know why the cage bird sings. It's like it doesn't have a place in these rankings. Like, no, it's not worse than before we were strangers. I know. It's just you know like what a I mean. It's like not it's fair. Just, it's on yeah. its own stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. Like, it's it's not to be measured against Strange Sally Diamond, but it is what it, it is. is. Totally. Okay, so now it's time for the other books we read this month. Snitch, I'm going to start with you because I saw you reading all month. Well, I can't really talk about it yet because I'm still in it, but I started Akatar. So I um, am on book five of the Courts of Court, a Court of Rose and Thorns series. It's like a fantasy series because I love Fourth Wing. Everyone was like, you should read Akatar, and everyone, but then everyone was like, don't read it, you're going to hate it. But like, there's really nothing to hate about it. Jackie, I don't know how like you had such a visceral reaction to it. I didn't have a visceral. I got to 50%. Then I had gave birth and I didn't like it enough to go back <laughs> oh I know like it didn't you... capture me in the time that I read it I got to 50 percent and it did not capture me I feel like you should go back but anyway I'm really enjoying it I can't I do it's hard I can't say that I like it better than fourth wing iron flame because um that was like my first foray into fantasy and so I feel like I just have such a love for it now whereas with this like I'm used to it so I'm not like dying but it is really good yeah it's really good it's like really entertaining um but like I don't feel the way that I did about fourth wing that I do about Akatar however I I can't put it down and I am like obsessed with the characters but it's just like a different level of um obsessiveness um but I in the next one I will tell you like truly all my thoughts but I like need to finish it first and that's that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad that you're doing the research and letting us know because everyone's talking about it. I know. Bex? What do we think about audiobooks? They count, right? Yeah. Yeah. You learn the story. Um, so this month I listened to a book called Number Go Up by Zeke Fox. It's all about crypto and Bitcoin. It was so good. Highly recommend if you're at all interested in this topic and looking for uh entertaining yet instructional piece of literature um and then i also read romantic comedy thank you for the recommendation dana by curtis sittenfield it was so good cannot recommend it more it was a fantastic read beyond excellent love it love it love it 
Um, and then I also read The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. I did not like this book as much. It started strong, and then it became a children's story, and it was not for me. Um, but honestly, good good month of reads. It's a lot. Thanks. Dana? Um, per Jack's recommendation, I read Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson. Loved it. I knew nothing about him. I never read biographies. Uh, I learned so much. He's just changed our entire society, like Tesla and SpaceX. And I knew nothing of those companies beforehand. So I'm glad to be like a little more knowledgeable. Wait, I didn't realize legends. it was Walter Isaacson. He's the legend yeah. of all legends when it comes to He Steve nearly Jobs. ruined the book. Why? Dana and I were just talking about it. So I'll, we can recap it together right now, Dana. I, how many stars did you give it? 4.4. 4. I gave it four stars and it would have been a five except like Walter Isaacson had to ruin it like just with himself and like his conjecture and it was really good like especially learning about Elon like how he was raised in his early companies and like all the stuff that's ancient history was very good because like the history is written and you know you learn about like but the last two years Walter was like embedded with Elon every day and like Elon would send him stuff and like Walter just really editorialized like so much of Elon himself and like what Elon would tell him and Elon would like tell him this I keep using this example but it sums it up perfectly like Elon explains like why he's buying Twitter like he thinks free speech is like tantamount to like a functioning civilization he's all about like you know the survival of the human race he thinks free speech is and everything he does is about the survival of the human race getting to Mars is about that uh renewable energy it's all so that makes sense that he thinks like having a public forum where people can speak freely is uh, you know important and Walter's like starts talking about why he thinks Elon's buying Twitter. It's like, no, Elon just told you. And Elon like doesn't, he doesn't obfuscate. He doesn't like say one thing and like mean another thing. That's an issue that he has probably. He, if he could say things more gently. He was like, you know, I think it's because growing up, Elon was bullied in the schoolyard. Now he has a chance to own the schoolyard. It's like cringe. It, that's not wow. why he bought it. And like, it was just, there was a lot of stuff like that where he was just like injecting his own personal bias towards the end in the last few years. And it was really annoying because it's like, shut the fuck up. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Very well said. It is true that every conclusion the author made was always harking back to, and he was bullied on the playground. So he's doing this because he was bullied. And it was, I agree, like, Elon spoke for himself. It could have done without less analysis on into why he does certain things. Because, like, I think biographies aren't even supposed to do that. They're just supposed to tell you the facts. I don't read the genre a lot. So, yes, it felt annoying that because the reader it, themselves could draw their own conclusions about why he was doing things. Was yeah. he bullied and that bad? He grew up in South Africa, which was, like, incredibly violent at the time. And I think everybody was just, like, getting into physical fights. And, like, they would go to a concert and, like, a riot would break out. And, like, just crazy stuff happening. And I think Elon actually held his own pretty well, like, for a nerd, so to speak. Um, But, yeah, he was, like, beat up a lot. But everyone was. That's the picture that was painted. Yeah. You would like it. You should read it because you're, like – you're good at biographies too. Like it, was it was really good because he's just so fascinating. There's so much. It's crazy. And what I love Elon, but I never really understood he does like SpaceX and, and Tesla and like maybe like one. But no, he really, he runs all these companies and that's like his cross to bear. It's like he can't relinquish control of any of them. And so he's literally the CEO uh, full time of like Tesla CEO of uh, Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, now Twitter, What's the other one that they do? Uh, boring, the boring company. Boring company. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's just like never even heard of like i don't know how he has time for all this shit (laughs) it's so crazy how he he has a million kids like it it was a crazy story and then there's 10 kids he has 10 kids Oh my god! Most I thought it was via like IVF or surrogate. No, and they're like all twins and triplets. Like it's crazy. Yeah, because they're <laughs> most of them are via yeah, IVF. You, know, you need to read it. And they're like really good pop culture touch points too. Like Amber Heard, she's crazy. They have a kid. She with like her? he has a kid with her. Well, so that's something else because Amber Heard has a child, and people do not know who the father is, and no one they she has not told anyone who the father is. But and in the book, think, they do not. They do not. They don't even go. They don't mention yeah. her child or anything or what people think. But people do think that Elon is the father of her child. That would bring the total to 11. <laughs> Why? Oh, I don't think kids, he is. Were all kids accounted for in the 10? Like, he didn't just say, I have 10 kids. Because like, what if? Well, the, oh, no, one no of, they went into detail oh. on each one. Yeah, because it's like his life story. So and his first son died of SIDS. Yeah. Oh, my God. No. Uh, so sad. And that's also like really colored Elon's life. Like. Just a lot of interesting stuff in there. Yeah. And he has three kids with Grimes. Does he have a good but relationship not together with anymore, the baby right? mamas? Um, yeah, his first wife. He, with his... he has five yeah. kids with Justine. And like, I think it's just like ex-wife vibes. But he has good relationships with his kids. So I think it's like fine with her. And then with Grimes, every, Grimes is with him all the time in the book. Like they are always together but now in real life they're going through a custody battle so I don't know what's happening there and then the other woman who he has two kids with is his colleague at Neuralink she wanted to become a mother so he donated her his sperm and she was friends with Grimes and no one knew that she was carrying Elon's baby and then yeah. Elon like they, they've never everyone. hooked up they're, they never no, like, like, like it was sex- just IVF <laughs> and she wanted to be a mother and like he believes in populating the earth so he was like here it's crazy yeah, and and Grimes didn't know when she is with this woman all the time. Their friends are friends. She didn't know these were her like half Just like boys. trying to set her up, <laughs> trying to help her find love. And it like turns out that she's having her boyfriend's babies. Why didn't she tell Grimes? People are crazy. They kept it from Grimes. Elon I didn't tell I feel like her. they planned to not tell ever. Anyone. But then I think the vibe I got, and this is just me making shit up like Walter, but the vibe I got <laughs> is that he wanted to be in the kid's life. He wanted their names to be Musk and he wanted to be their father. That's kind of crazy also to like donate your sperm and like then like, well, I don't know. Is it crazy? He's he is very in on like we have an underpopulation problem. Let's populate the earth like the more the merrier. Yeah. And he has and like amazing genes because he's a genius. Right. So he's and his like, kids like, are geniuses like X. Yeah, oh, my God. Geniuses. One of my favorite. Aunt- so his baby X, they said that he could count because he's always watching rocket launches. He could count down from 10 before he but could count up. up from one. Oh. Oh, Isn't that so cute? cute. So, anyways, like, yeah. the, uh, like we can't yeah. stop talking about it. We should do an episode. Mini about Elon it. episode. Oh, maybe I'll read it. Also, it, for you, me, you it, like it. it was like a manual it's about long. my test. It was. It felt like a manual about my car because I learned about all these features that were like important for Elon to build that I don't even like think about, like autopilot. I never think about, and I think it's like irresponsible. But now I'm like, autopilot is a better driver than me. I should be using autopilot. It actually is. Well, yeah, I I think it is, but understand. The hesitation no like there have been autopilot accidents because it's not perfect but it is a better driver than a person and like how many accidents were avoided because of autopilot like you know there are thousands yeah. of accidents all the time from human error those don't make the news but when it's autopilot one out of you know how many that would have been accidents that's a bigger yeah. deal well it's like ai can write a better email than me 
Oh, and also, oh my God, the Sam Altman ChatGPT. Oh, that was a whole part of it. Elon started OpenAI. Yeah, which I did not know. With Sam Altman. And then like Sam Altman like went and made it a for-profit. It was meant to be a non-for-profit because Elon also believes in like, there's this debate about AI, whether it should be like all-knowing or if or if humans should have control over it and be able to like put the kibosh on it if things ever got to a bad place. And it's like caused all these like, fights with him and his like famous rich friends like him and Larry Page don't speak because Larry Page called him a speciesist which is a like someone who's like racist about species because Elon (laughs) thinks that human intelligence is superior to artificial intelligence Larry Page called him a speciesist whoa this is like rich people smart talk there's so much there's a lot he started PayPal there was a whole drama with that like there's so much in it eBay yeah so I eBay no, but eBay acquired PayPal or, or it, the other it, way it. around. That's why. Um, so, yeah, that was the first book I read. <laughs> if you need any more endorsements than this episode, I recommend it highly to everybody. The second was Count the Ways by Joyce Maynard. I literally didn't even remember reading this. I had to refresh my memory for 10 minutes to remember what the book was about. <laughs> but then recalled I really, really liked it. So 4.3. And then because of Ritson, I love for Curtis Zettenfeld's romantic comedy I dabbled back into her old stuff and read prep which was not nearly as good but I still enjoyed the writing so I gave it a 4.0 great and I only read Elon's book this month because it was long it was long it was really long I didn't have a lot of time but one other thing I wanted to say about the book because I was like before I read it I was like (laughs) does Elon endorse this book like what does he think about it but the fact that he gave Walter like this unfettered access to like his email his friends everyone was interviewed everyone has quotes um Elon fully participated in it but then in the acknowledgments Walter said that Elon never asked to look at pages of the book exerted no control over the book I don't even think he's read the book like he literally didn't care I don't think he's read it either yeah yeah so that was I thought that was so interesting imagine someone like writing a book about you and you like don't even read it yeah (laughs) yeah and I guess Walter Isaacson also wrote the book about Steve Jobs yes and he kept comparing him or contrasting him to Steve Jobs and it was like I'm not a Jobs girly so like I get that you like Walter that you are but yeah he's like the bio the biography man yeah. yeah yeah so he he chose Elon and he, I mean a more interesting subject you cannot find <laughs> it was really good tweet retweet okay so that is the other books we read this month next month it is my choice I haven't got to choose oh, a book in so long and I'm so out of practice and I'm so out of the loop because I literally didn't know what to choose but Claudia told me about this thriller that's pretty buzzy that I don't think any of you have read and we've never read anything by this author on the show but everybody reads her Lisa Jewell mm. and we will be reading none of this is true oh my god I'm so excited I've been meaning to read oh, you, it Emily said it was like amazing oh my god oh my god good. I need I need a win. Last year yeah. for me was the year of Edvika and Marjorie Post. <laughs> and wow, it's been that long. I haven't picked a book since Edvika. What? <laughs> well, I I'm seeing psychological thrillers, so I'm in. Oh my god, I'm so excited! Yeah. I was going to read this regardless, so I'm jazzed. I remember Claudia amazing. posting about this and saying that it was amazing, right? Yeah, and I think it, it's like true crime. I think it also has to do with a podcast, so I think it's going to be great. Wow, look at I'm us. so excited. Life imitating oh, I'm art. I'm so glad you guys are excited. That I love finding out. out the book on the show. Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, it's too. great that you guys have heard of it. Because I do like when we do a buzz. I love when we discover a, a diamond, you know, a, a, a fresh read. But I also like when we choose a buzzy book. Because then everybody wants to listen to the episode. A Sally so. Diamond. 
we discovered a Sally Diamond here. Snitch, how did you find this book? Honestly, I got to give the credit to okay. Help Reads. It was a she good one. She told me to choose this book. Like, it I didn't very find good. It. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let everyone go. Thank you guys so much for being redheads, for listening, for reading along with us. We love you very much, and we're looking forward to a very stimulating intellectually 2024. Hey, love ya. Bye. Love ya. Bye.